Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined again by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. This is so exciting. I cannot say how exciting I am not to have a phone between us. Yeah, it's and it's fun to sort of look back on this season, though it didn't go exactly how we wanted it to. It was, I, I was talking... It's more fun looking back, I think, than it was going through it. That's true. <laughs> but it always is. You know, nostalgia is a powerful thing. That's, that's right. why, you know, that's why Facebook is a billion dollar company. But um, I was talking with, I believe, uh, Adam, who you're going to hear from later, Adam Chin of uh, Baseline Buzz, about how fascinating this season was and, and part of why it's fun to look back on because, you know, as great as that playoff season was, um, it, it's always more fascinating when things go wrong than when they go right because it shows it shows you the character of certain guys, I think. It's what, what did Steve Clifford say at, at some point uh, – it was when he was really frustrated. It was when he uh, talked about you know the city and the fan base uh, have right. to you know expect a better team. But he also said that you know we're going to find out you know, who wants to play for the Charlotte Hornets. You know, so I think you know when you go through these type of things, you do get a little sense of you know who's ready to uh, go to battle and and who may not be. Well, I'll say this for this season. It was unpredictable. Um, looking back, maybe not so much, but you never – not, and oftentimes not in a good way. You never really knew which Hornets team was going to show up. I mean, the funny thing was they didn't really get blown out a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, – yeah, and, of course, they were really weren't out of it until the very, very end. And so it was just always interesting to see. The only constant, like we've said so many times, is Kemba. That was one of the big problems. But The team um, may have held its composure to a fault. Mm-hmm. Would that be fair to say that they sort of held it together? And you certainly don't want to see like a Sacramento Kings or I don't know, even the I don't want to say Chicago Bulls because it's, look at what they're doing no in the playoffs. It makes no sense. <laughs> and they completely lost it. You know, you had other players calling each other out and everyone looked at that situation and said, the Chicago Bulls are falling apart. Yeah. And they don't have a good coach. And now they've they've pulled it together because we say it all the time, talent wins in the NBA. Exactly. If you have the better player, uh, you can make it through some of those things, but I, th- I and I defended the Bulls at the time. I just want to say cool. I thought that the players coming out look when you're look <laughs> when your plane is nose diving and you're trying every you're trying every switch in the book to try to figure things out. And I thought you know Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, they were just flipping switches, just Rondo. seeing what was going to work. It was Rondo and the team versus those two, but now yeah. they're all best friends. Now they get exactly well, because they pulled the plane out of the nosedive. <laughs> oh and the Hornets, God. the Hornets were you know they just they they never got to that nosedive point, but at the same time they never got up to thirty thousand feet either. Well. What I don't know where this plane analogy is really going because I've never flown a plane. I did in, in in school when you you know you had the computer class and you had to choose you know did you play Sim City or did you 
um, you know, play flight simulator? Did you have that class in, in high school? I don't know if I did have that class in high school. You have computer class? I feel like this is a thing. All right. Oh, uh, well, anyway, yeah, we did I played, actually. <laughs> I played, I played SimCity. It was we like barely a te- had an email when I was in high school. <laughs> well, you know, they were all on these like Apple II computers, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was all very, very low key, but. Uh, yeah, I never played Flight Simulator. I always played SimCity. Well, you look at the other thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, stay on. I want you to stay on that yeah. stuff. Go ahead. Between the difference between the Bulls also and the Hornets, like we've always said it for years, like the Hornets don't really have that. It's not even an alpha dog. It's just kind of that, you know. Player that you can throw the ball to and go ask you to yeah, bucket but, and depend but on that also is going to be someone like Dwayne Wade who can get oh, out in yeah, the media yeah. and say stuff and call it's people just, out. It's not, and blah, and blah, now blah. we saw Kimba Walker take more of a leadership role, I thought, on and off the court mm. and, and become more of a vocal leader. But I just don't think that's in his DNA. No, no, you know, it's never going to be. No, okay. Um, but anyway. today we're, we're talking about a guy today in Briante Weber who. You could never accuse of not being ready. You know, I mean, he was he wanted the opportunity uh, to get out onto the court and show what he could do. He was frustrated with his time with the Miami Heat, and then he got a ten day contract earlier in the season with the Golden State Warriors. They didn't really give him much of an opportunity, obviously, because it's the Golden State Warriors. They've got they've got a pretty good depth chart. Yeah. Okay. He did play in uh, seven of those games, though. You know, which is interesting to look back. I mean, not huge minutes. Exactly. But played. Yeah, I think he got some of those blowout kind of garbage minutes. But what he yeah. really wanted was an opportunity in a close game or in a good situation uh, that he could show uh, what he could do, and he got that opportunity with the Charlotte Hornets. Signed the ten day contract, and. Uh, in a tough night at home against the Chicago Bulls, uh, he heard his number called. We did a, a profile on that night and on Briante Weber. Let's take a listen. That's funny. <laughs> I'm still tweeting it. That is Briante Weber joking with teammates at practice. A day after the Charlotte Hornets made it official, he's going to be in teal and purple the rest of the season signing his name to a multi-year deal after playing out two 10-day contracts. I'm just excited, man, for the, to give an opportunity to play here. Um, actually, with an organization that actually uh, believes in me and believes I can help them out in any way possible. I'm just I'm ecstatic. He likes to go by Bree. And the more you talk to teammates, his coach, and people around the team, one thing becomes clear. He's very easy to like. He's confident. He has a big smile, an even bigger heart when he steps onto the floor. But Weber's journey has not always left him smiling. Weber, hop step into Johnson. Johnson shoots and misses, rebound, and Weber's down and he is hurt. On January 31st, 2015, he was 12 steals away from becoming the NCAA's all-time career leader. The VCU guard was attracting all kinds of interest from NBA teams. But a knee injury and two surgeries later, he was undrafted, unable to pass a physical, and in the NBA's Development League. Over the next year plus, he would enter a journey that resembled a rotating door. Impressed with the Sioux Falls Sky Force... And Weber is going to end up alley-ooping it to himself. That's a way to get noticed at the D-League Showcase. There you go. Get a 10-day call-up, get released, back to the Sky Force, another 10-day, another release... The whole process was frustrating for Weber, but he kept it positive on Twitter where he candidly shared his journey, his love of VCU, and his hashtag, New Beginning. 
and Charlotte, nearing the end of his second 10-day contract, it looked like he was heading back to the rotating door. March 13th, shortly before the Hornets were set to take on the Chicago Bulls, Weber tweeted, Just want a shot, man. That's all. Hashtag new beginning. Rondo couldn't finish. It's the third quarter of Hornets-Bulls in Charlotte, and the Hornets were struggling to fend off a feisty Bulls team. Their playoff hopes were hanging by a string. The team was getting beaten up on the boards, beaten to every loose ball. They needed a spark. Hornets coach Steve Clifford looks back, points to his bench. Backup point guard Brian Roberts gets halfway up out of his seat, but Clifford clarifies, and Weber, who was already out of his seat at this point, uses his hand to push past Roberts, rips off his shorts, and checks into the game. Steve Clifford going to send in Briante Weber. I just was looking for some toughness. Somebody, you know, he's, you know, I don't know how good he is, but he's tough, you know what I mean? And he's confident, and I was just looking for a burst. For Weber, the decision to call his number in a close game with so much to play for was a dream come true. Everything that he's played for over the past two years. The first thing that he did after the game was share the moment with his biggest supporter. You know, kind of talked to my mom. She kind of my uh, the shoulder that I lean on. So I just we continued to talk about it. She was just like, "It's your time. Don't overthink it. Just be yourself." And at the end of the day, that's all I can be. Weber willingly admits, and these are his words, that he's a mama's boy, but he plays like a grown man on the court. And Coach Clifford has noticed. You know, he's energetic. He can really guard the ball. He's very confident. But he's going to get his chance here to play because I like him and I like the way he plays and I like what he's bringing to our team. In the past, Clifford has shown deference to point guards who know his system. He demands intelligence and organization on offense. It requires a, a familiarity with the system that Weber simply doesn't possess yet, but Clifford also could not deny that his team needed a special something, something that Weber could give. He's coming in, he changes the tempo of the game. You know, he's got a little nastiness to him. Nastiness. It's not a word you immediately associate with point guards or with positive play, but it's a term that Bree embraces fully. Uh, definitely me. Uh, I'm not a nice guy on the court in between those lines. is. It's either me or you, so I'm taking my chances with anybody, so I'm just going to continue to fight. When asked about what makes him a tough matchup, Weber doesn't talk about his pick-and-roll game or his knack for picking pockets, although both of those things are very important. Instead, he talks about words like will and want to. It's what lets you know that he has a special type of mentality and a special type of energy. And of course... He talks about his mom. Baby, she just continued to tell me to uh, just be brief, and at the time when the time comes, just be, just be ready. And that being said, I was more than ready for this opportunity. From Spectrum Center, Doug Branson, Locked On Hornets. David, what were your thoughts? on the performance of Briante Weber uh, for the rest of the season. Well, you know, I was excited for Briante um, really just because of the the other options that we were dealing with. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Sessions went down. That left a big gap between Kemba and whomever was going to come in after him. Brian Roberts had been here before, obviously knew the system, so they trusted him to go out there and do that. But the team and the offense just wasn't running. And, and you you backed him up, right? Um, it wasn't all Brian's fault. Like It wasn't all Roberts' fault that that second bench unit wasn't doing things. Was I was a Roberts. I was a Roberts and Sessions apologist. You could say that, maybe yeah, to but a it's, fault. I think it's fair, to, you know. But at some point, you you have to look at something, and and the, and the point guard on mm-hmm. those units um, wasn't making those results happen. So, mm-hmm. Briante came in, and like uh, you know, Clifford wanted a spark, and I think they gave it. To, he gave it to them on both ends. Mm-hmm. Defensively, I think was really the eye opener for me because mm-hmm. I. I'd, Thought coming in, he may uh, be more of a score or just look to score, um, but he provided energy on both ends, which I think was key. And and it didn't last, right? I mean, that's the problem. You can't just place all your bets on these young guys uh, that are you're giving a shot to. But yeah. I think at the same time, like people were screaming for him to get just a chance because it was just like. Brian Roberts, and that's it. And, and and it was at some point it was almost like I felt like even Brian Roberts was like, man, just just put somebody else in here just to give me a breather or something. Yeah, I think he provided a lot of things that Brian Roberts couldn't in terms of defensive intensity. Just longer, just you know. Yeah, but it, you eventually, as you said, it didn't last because they did go back to Brian Roberts, and and a lot of that had to do with some of his struggles. Uh, Briante struggles with adapting to to what they wanted to do offensively, and that's a lot of the reason you saw Clifford go to guys like Sessions and Roberts because they know Clifford's system. Uh, they can organize the offense. They're not always going to be the most aggressive scorers, and unfortunately, that's what the Hornets needed this season. They needed an aggressive score uh, from the point guard position. Yeah. I talked a lot about my thoughts with Adam Chen of Baseline Buzz uh, earlier this season. Let's take a listen to that. I'm developing this kind of theory that if you don't if you don't have more than one superstar that you really have to find a matchup problem on your bench. The Hornets had one and a half two matchup problems at times on the bench last season in Al Jefferson and Jeremy Lin. Now eventually mm-hmm. Jefferson had to move into the starting lineup and the in that Miami series for for various reasons. But for a majority of last season, they had one to two matchup problems on the bench. This season, they had zero. Oh, it, because yeah, Because I mean, Frank Kaminsky yeah. was – Frank Kaminsky is the one guy that you could kind of argue because he could, he could drag guys out to the three-point line that weren't comfortable guarding him there. But the problem was – you know, the problem still is he's not consistent enough from the three-point line to be considered a matchup problem. But that's what they have to find next season. They have to find um, – because, look, if you're Cleveland, like Cleveland doesn't really have any matchup problems on their bench. But they don't have to have one because, as you saw, they put LeBron out there with four bench players, and he is the matchup problem. Uh, yeah, LeBron is, is – he's a cheat code, right? So uh, it's – it's if you have a team like Charlotte like, – uh, you know, I tweeted this out a, a month or so ago about you have to just nail all these small moves if you don't have a superstar, mm-hmm. right? you got to nail all the little ones. And their bench – you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people give Marco a lot of, a lot of crap. And I think if he were to just be depend – you were to depend on him to do this, the things that he can do, he'd be fine. He'd be totally fine, but because the bench is so bad, you know he's he's like being asked to be Marco, or not Marco, but uh, to be Manu, yep. you know, prime prime Manu. He's not prime Manu, not even close, right? So like, um, 
Uh, yeah, I, and, and then the backup point guard situation was just a, an utter disaster. And until you know, somewhat recently, you can make the, the case that, that Weber um, is going to be decent. You know, um, uh, how do you feel about him? By the way, so here's how here's how I feel about Briante Weber. Ton of injury, ton of energy, easy mm-hmm. to like on and off the court, unless you are on the opposite team and then you hate his guts because that's how he plays. He plays to make mm-hmm. you hate his guts. And he's he's so tough, uh, but he is having a lot of problems developing into a pure point guard because he has not really, you know, you don't need to do that in the D-League. Uh, you he, has a, he has no point guard skills. That's his problem. Yeah, and, right. and so and you saw that uh, bear itself out against Cleveland. I mean, he was not in the right place in a majority of the possessions in that game that he was in. And uh, he, he did not run the right play a few times with, with Clifford screaming it out. And you could see Clifford's uh, frustration with that. And and I think Clifford puts a lot of the onus on the point guard position to really organize the offense, to keep people in the right place, to execute things exactly how they need to be executed. Because that's the thing with this offense there is no isolation game. They are 28th in the league in points per possession on isolation, and they only run it 4% of the time. There's no player to throw it to. And the only isolation game that they have, the only, the only option if a play breaks down, is to hope that Nick Batum is on the court, and y- you throw it to him for maybe a back down uh, turnaround jump shot. That's it. Or, or Kimba just drives to the lane and tries to get fouled. Yeah. Um, so they don't have that. So the offense has to be a well-oiled machine or you end up with a shot clock violation. And Weber, to this point, has not been able to come in and, and, and grasp the nuances of this of running this offense. So when he's on the floor, oftentimes those responsibilities will fall to – if he's on there with Nick Batum, it's going to go to him. Or even – I've seen Marvin Williams organize the offense at times – uh, when Weber's on the floor. So, you know, it's tough. I mean, he's going, listen, he's going to have to take this offseason and, and try to figure out, okay, I, I know I can give it on the defensive end. That's easy for me. Uh, how do I figure out how to organize things and give that same level of, of concentration and focus on the offensive end? Uh, not in terms of scoring, not in terms of finding my shot, but in terms of uh, just leading these troops. You know, that's that's a really great point, and I agree with you um, in terms of his fit with this team. And it, it makes me think, you know, when you don't have a superstar as an NBA team, think about all the opportunities you have to forfeit. Mm-hmm. Like, Weber might be another Patrick Beverly down the stretch, but because you need him to be a pure point guard on your team because the offense has to – constantly flow because you have no superstar to get can get you any isolation buckets you may have to pass on him you know think about all the guys you may have to pass on simply because your team has to play a certain way just to survive um and i don't know that that that, you know you look at you look at um you know just the way that the hornets have constructed their team a lot of their team has been constructed due to deficiencies right like i mean you can make the make the case that uh, that that Kemba's deficiency as a, as a playmaker, although he's become a much better playmaker over the past year or two, um, has led to the team seeking out, you know, the Batums, that Gordon Haywoods, um, uh, Haywoods, et cetera, um, you know, in the past few years. So, I mean, it is interesting. They're always trying to find someone that can mask it. And back to LeBron, if you have a LeBron, you just, you just put whoever around him. 
He's just going to be, you know, and that's what that's what a superstar can do. And I think Paul George, to a lesser extent, can do that if they could ever figure out even to get a second degree, second level superstar, right? Um, yeah, so, it's all, and it's all about. And Clifford will say this all the time, and I and I agree with this assertion that when when you don't have the superstars. You then have to focus on becoming a team that is difficult to play against, a team, not a player. So, David, final question here. What's your biggest question for Briante Weber heading into this summer? He's on a non-guaranteed deal. We'll have to try to secure his contract over the summer. What's the big question? Can he do that, right? I mean, can mm-hmm. he um, get himself enough into this team and the system? I think that's got to be the hope for them. Uh, it's can like, he run an offense? <laughs> yeah, it's a big ask for anyone to come in and do that with big minutes, you know, not having been with the team, I think, especially since training camp. So, I mean, huge offseason for him. But my hope is that he can be the third point guard. I mean, I would feel okay with him. I feel, you know, good with him being that third point guard on this team. Um, I think he's shown that he has the staying power. You know, he's been around in the league a little bit. And certainly knowing Clifford this season into the offseason, the summer league is going to be huge. So that'll be something interesting for people to watch, I think, because uh, he's certainly going to play big minutes for the summer league team, right? Yeah. Um, and can he run the offense? Can he keep t- do all the things the Hornets like to do? And Clifford preaches, take care of the ball, you know, don't foul, make the right play. Um, and, and be that guy who can still add the spark. You mentioned that. It's interesting. They really just – it felt like they just wanted – for Sessions and Roberts, right, it was just keep us afloat until Kemba can come back in. Yeah. And there was – the problem with, with that approach this year was, like you said, there was no one else to provide a spark. There was no Jeremy Lin. I mean, mm-hmm. at times Lamb, at times Frank. But, like, they just needed somebody to – guide the ship in years past and this year they really needed somebody to get out there pressure the ball make things happen uh and briante could do that a little better than than roberts yeah on the defensive end but yeah the big question for briante can he run an offense can he organize an offense he'll have plenty of chances to do that in summer league where we don't know who's going to coach that team yet uh it could be it's mm. not going to be patrick ewing he's gone off to coach georgetown That'd that be was weird the, if it was patrick ewing that would be very weird yeah. but the, he's coached it the past few years so will it be a steven silas and will that give uh, Briante, you know, an even closer look because Ewing is used to evaluating sort of big guys. That's who he works with yeah. on the team. Uh, Silas works with wings, works with shooters. So, you know, will that have an effect on Briante's ability uh, to make this team? We'll have that, to wait and see. Is that exciting for you at Summer League, though? I mean, I'm kind of pumped to watch that. Yeah. See, see what's going on with that. It was O'Brien well, there as well. Yeah, so it's going to be Weber. It's going to be O'Brien. Graham. It'll be Graham. Probably yeah, no Christian Wood no because Christian they, Wood. they did decline the option on his. He died. Sorry. <laughs> no, still alive, still very much alive. Uh, but maybe, no, so, maybe some swarm guys, right? You'd think. Yeah. So um be some things to watch. Do you think do you think the coaches want to do that? Do you think Silas is raising his hand, send me to Orlando for two weeks or whatever, a week and a half? I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, you're no, in, no. You know? Do you think they'd rather be in Vegas, though? Anyway, back to SimCity. <laughs> uh, my favorite strategy in SimCity was now. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review and help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. 
The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.